The following is intended only for mature audiences. Whoops. Oh. Right out of the gate. That was awesome. Gary Hoffman. That's major style points. Shannon Farron. She likes to impose her will. She's not one that's going to sit back. She's gone out there and done what she wants to do. I mean, what is going on here? Gary and Shannon. Uh, you know, I do like this team. You put up your best pictures and personality traits. You lie about how much money you make. I've seen both your profiles. They're filled with life. Oh, my goodness. What a change of events here. Welcome to Monday. I am so high right now. What's the matter? Advil cold and sinus. Oh. I don't know what it is, but it's really affecting me you today. Didn't, you didn't I take the stuff out of this first aid stoned. kit here, do you? No, 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 no. That no. stuff I, will... No, the stuff that I take, I have to show my ID to the pharmacist to get. <laughs> and I am so affected by it today. Oh, great. I can't... I don't know why. Maybe I should eat something. I don't know. <laughs> were you sick all weekend? You yes. said on Friday that you were uh, starting to feel something. Yes. You know, it may be the accumulation of all the Advil cold and sinus that it's, I've taken throughout the weekend. It's now completely contaminated your system. Yeah. And uh, it's just instead of blood, it's just Advil cold and sinus running through my brains. Well, and I don't know what you're going to do now because you don't, you don't have the Olympics to keep you busy. You know, I watched eight minutes of the Olympics. What? I just wasn't I wasn't in it. So you watched Schuster's five point shot in the ninth end of that curling gold medal curling match, right? No, sir. That was the shot of the entire Olympics. I did like the Andy Reid meme going around though. Oh. <laughs> about Andy Reid finally winning a championship. That was Comical. Uh, it was funny because last night we were flipping through the channels and they showed uh, the American team run- walking in the uh, closing ceremonies. And they have all of these, you know, incredible athletes, slim, trim little bodies in their in their big witness, uh, their big winter parkas and everything. And then uh, then they show Matt Hamilton, who is that guy that, that looks like Andy Reid for yeah. the curling team. And he's a, he's a bigger fella. I mean, he's not huge. Yeah, but he's a bigger fella. You wouldn't look at him and think Olympian. Well, and then my wife goes, oh, he must be one of the curlers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on. Well, they do look differently they're, than the, uh, the chiseled ones. They're not rippling like the other guys. Do you think they get as much uh, action? Yes, absolutely. I Did wanna... you see? On Saturday morning, I woke up to the, to the alert that said that they had won the gold medal round several hours earlier. And when I turn on the TV, it... 8.30 in the morning or 9 in the morning, they were replaying it. So they had just started. And I'm like, you know what? A couple of cups of coffee. I'm watching this. And I'm going to watch this from the beginning because I want to see this, you know, pan out. I know how it ended, but I wanted to see the whole thing. You wanted to feel the excitement. I wanted to feel the excitement. The adrenaline. And they kept cutting to, like, Bob's Curling Club in Duluth, Minnesota, and they were watching it in real time. So yeah. it would have been 3 in the morning in Duluth. Oh, that's cool. The beers were... All over the place. I mean, negative, every table had negative, pitchers of beer on it. Negative four degrees. Oh, and and they were in. There were women swooning. I mean, some guy would in some Duluth? guy would roll the uh, 
You'd roll that stone down the ice and get it in the house there, mm-hmm. right there on a button there, and the women would go, oh, Yeah, but those are Duluth women. I'm talking about do they get any action in the Olympic Village? Oh. Because aren't these guys like 45, too? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So who's the creepy curling old guy trying to hook up with the uh, other athletes? Uh, I think the gold medal goes a long way. Does it? I think it's the good opening line. Oh, this old thing? Uh, You know, this gold medal around my I didn't even realize I was still wearing it. Well, we have more bad news. I feel like every day I say that when we do this show. No, that bad news we save for later. That mug shot. Kevin Smith and his heart attack? Nope, that's later. More bad news coming out of Florida. We told you last week that it looked like one of the... Resource officers or the resource officer assigned to Stoneman Douglas High School waited outside the building for four minutes while the shooter was inside taking more lives. He resigned. He was going to be uh, probably uh, reprimanded, but he has resigned. Now we're learning that other deputies may have been outside and failed to act. Yeah, the... This was uh, an area that the high school itself is in Parkland, Florida. It borders a town called Coral Springs. So you can imagine that in an event like that, law enforcement from around the area, from out uh, all over South Florida, they all started motoring towards this high school when they realized that it was a, a, a massive situation. So the officers from Coral Springs right next door, they show up and they're one of the first on scene. Three Coral Springs officers who showed up, said when they got there, at least one sheriff's deputy was not in the building. And if, you're a, if you can imagine, you're a Coral Springs police officer, you walk in there and you, re, you are basically thinking, I'm going in to back up the officers who are already in the building. And when they get there and the officer, the, the deputies in this case, were standing outside, that, I mean, that's just got to be a... As as frustrated and disappointed as we are seeing that, if you're a law enforcement officer and you see that one of the people that has taken on the mantle of becoming a law enforcement officer is standing outside while shots are still going on inside. Broward County Sheriff's Office is already in a hell of a lot of hot water for not investigating reports about this kid in the months leading up to the shooting. And now this. Heads are going to roll. If they find out that, in fact, those deputies did get there and did nothing because the rules changed. You don't wait for backup anymore. Now, law enforcement agencies are told you go in right away. There's a do you think that there's a call now for the sheriff in Broward County to resign? For Scott Israel to resign uh, as a result of, of all of this, not just the officers, uh, his deputies who didn't go in uh, if there was more than one, the the lost tips. I mean, as much as we've bagged on the FBI for their two tips, the Broward County Sheriff's Office had 18 contacts with this guy or at least 18 calls about this guy before he blew up. And one of the things that Scott Israel, the sheriff, had said is he's not going to resign. No, of course I won't resign. It was a shameful letter. It was politically motivated. I never met that man. He doesn't know anything about me. And the letter was full of mis- uh, misinformation. He's talking about one of the people who had asked him to resign. Um, 
But the governor of Florida has asked the state law enforcement agency, I think it's the federal Florida Department of Law Enforcement or whatever it is, to investigate the sheriff and the sheriff's department and figure out what the hell happened. Well, it is just a a pattern of failure there with the Broward County Sheriff's Department. All those warnings and nothing's investigated. You know, we were... I was harping on the FBI for failing to to notify the branch office there, the local office, when the FBI got calls from several different states about this kid and his online activity. And they they failed to let the the Miami FBI notice uh, office know any of that. Well, this is much more damning that that the local law enforcement agency had this guy on their radar but just failed to connect the dots or failed to do their jobs and then once the shooting began failed to do their job again and i thought last week when we were talking about this i thought well how is the broward county sheriff ever going to trust the fbi in florida anymore how is anybody going to trust the broward county sheriff's department now this is this is a this is a horrific thing that they have to deal with that they have to face. All right, we got to take a break. But, I do have uh, to play for you in, in, in a few minutes, though. The president's reaction to what happened and these allegations that the deputy didn't uh, didn't go in. It yeah, might surprise you. Yeah, I think it absolutely will. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. It's time to mobilize, gas family. We are going to be out and about on Thursday in Tustin at J.T. Schmidt's for our gas news and brews. Come join us. Stickers. Oh, yeah, we have stickers. (laughs) Uh, We may even uh, be able to announce some of the um, baby animals in our baby animal bracket this year. Yeah. Uh, We're working on some of the, uh, the selection process for that. We're talking about Florida, what happened at the uh, shooting on Valentine's Day and the repercussions since then. The Broward County Sheriff, for example, now saying he's investigating reports of more deputies who did nothing, who stood outside that school while the shooting was going on in the building. Gosh, if you're a cop, doesn't that piss you off? I just... Now, listen... It's almost like disrespect to the badge. And we've said this before. You and I have no experience in a situation like that. No. it's it's one thing... It's one thing to be able to, on this side of it, say, you know, you signed up for that and and you know what was going on inside, how you don't react in some way. And if you're a, a parent, if you lost somebody, if you were a kid in that school uh, who hid for five hours or something like that, the, how you how you try to reckon with the fact that somebody with a gun stood outside those kids don't have guns. You know, this wasn't like uh, a bunch of adults in there. And even if even if it saved one life, yeah, how you don't make the choice to go into that building, I don't understand. But that being said, you and I have never been in that position. You know who else has never been in that position? Um, Donald Trump. You know, I really believe you don't know until you test it. But I think I, I really believe I'd run in there even if I didn't have a weapon. And I think most of the people in this room would have done that, too, because I know most of you. Listen. I've run through these scenarios before in my head. I don't know if this is a guy thing. I would love to think that I'd have the heroic nature to jump in there and sacrifice myself to prevent the bloodshed. You would. Well, I like to think that. 
Yeah, but and, and and he points out like none of us know until we're in a situation like that how we would in fact react. But I like to think that I would be that guy that would jump in there, hopefully. Well, especially when you're thinking about children too. If, yeah, if it's my kid, or I mean, if I if I'm working in a high school and and I have relationships with these kids and I see them every day, there's a there's an aspect to that I think we don't talk about. And you know, the president's going to get some chuckles for even having said that from the White House today. But I like to think that that we would do that. One of the kids know him well now, David Hogg. He's the one that uh, gets everybody all up. In, oh, he's in a the frenzy. fake one, right? The crisis actor, right? <laughs> um, oh, he is start me on. That. He's calling on a boycott of Florida for spring break. He's calling on tourists to boycott the state of Florida for spring break as a way to get legislators' attention focused on gun control. He said, let's make a deal. Do not come to Florida for spring break unless gun legislation is passed. I don't, I don't know if that's the right thing. I don't know if that's the right way to go about it. Well, he wants people to feel it. He wants people to feel it financially, whether it's the NRA or it's people in Florida. I don't know. It's a tweet, though, Hoff. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like uh, it's not. Like there's any teeth to the to the boycott plan? Well, or is there? One hundred and sixty five thousand people liked his tweet. Uh, I would imagine. I don't know how I, many I of them were planning on going to spring break in Florida. <laughs> That's good. I don't know. Um, not many. The NRA. Did you see businesses back away all weekend? Yeah, United I, and Delta. I think a lot is being made of this, and that it's not a significant thing. I mean, no, it's, it's it's a significant thing in that for on the public face of it, they're severing their business ties with the NRA. But if you look at the vast majority of what this is, it's uh, if you happen to be an NRA member, you get five percent off of this. It's or like 6%. a AAA discount, right? Or and, AARP, and and a place like United or Delta, whoever it is that that has cut ties, they've got relationships with hundreds of organizations like this, hundreds if not a couple thousand. So for them, I don't, I, I they're making a political thing, but they're not really sacrificing a right. whole lot. Right. They're not losing it's a like, whole lot. It's like they... all the businesses that say, oh, look, the trickle down theory is working because we're handing out thousand dollar bonuses. It was for PR. Right. It wasn't really hurting them. They weren't actually putting real money into it. Yeah. I, I think the hardest part about the, the story in Florida is on Friday, some of the teachers went back and I saw some interviews with some of those teachers. And it's just heartbreaking to see what they've had to go through. And then yesterday watching uh, a couple thousand students and their parents and family members come back to to the place. And they called it an orientation to sort of get them comfortable with the school before they go back in on, on Wednesday. I think that's when the first day of class is scheduled. No one will ever set foot. I shouldn't say no one. No student will ever set foot in that building once again, the one building where the shooting took place. And the superintendent had said he wants to see the thing torn down and replaced with a memorial. So... Last week, Harvard-Westlake, one of the campuses, shut down because of an ex-NFL player and his threatening Instagram post. It's more than just the Instagram post. We'll have an update for you on that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Oh, my, my, my. Gary and Shannon. 
some of the uh, things we're going to be talking about a little bit later. The president was hosting governors at the White House today. One of the main topics was school safety. We get into Swamp Watch. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Also, the uh, the Democratic memo finally came out. Uh, the president said it was a nothing and it was a bust. Uh, there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of stuff that we can take from this ten page memo, but it doesn't necessarily prove one way or the other. It just shows that everyone's got their own version of what uh, finger quotes. Everyone's got their version of the truth in what happened. Also in Swamp Watch, Monica Lewinsky weighing in on the Me Too movement. It's an interesting, her thing in Vanity Fair was... I was just reading through it. Very interesting. I, yeah, you know, because I kind of thought when you told me about this article, ah, I'm done hearing from Monica Lewinsky, <laughs> you know? I'm done with that. But... That is an interesting take on it. Well, all right. This, um, we, we talked about school threats ever since the shooting in Parkland, Florida, how there had been dozens of threats around the country that had been stopped, some here locally that had been stopped. There was a weird one at Westlake, uh, at Harvard Westlake, where there was a um, uh, an Instagram post that had been put out by somebody that showed a shotgun with some shotgun shells and uh, a message about if you're bullied. Uh, when you're when you're a bully victim and a coward, your options are suicide or revenge. Right, which is a weird and disturbing message to begin with, but the fact that it. Um, Included Harvard Westlake as uh, as a potential target raised a lot of suspicion, right? So the LAPD contacts uh, the people they figure out who it was. They figured out the guy who it was, and um, they arrest him. Well, it turned out to be Jonathan Martin, former uh, former Miami Dolphins. Jonathan Martin, I think uh, Carolina Panthers also. But the reason he was with the Dolphins and what he made headlines for was he was accusing other linemen back then, uh, several years ago, of bullying. You remember the name Richie Incognito associated with this. Well, he tagged Incognito and a center that played for the Dolphins at the time, as well as Harvard Westlake, in this Instagram post. He's still not over this? That was five years ago now that he had the beef with Richie Incognito. Well... When we tell you a little bit more about Jonathan Martin, it may give you an insight into the – it may make you go like this. Oh, oh. Got it. Okay. He checked into a mental health facility. Um, he was detained by LAPD after this Instagram post. It's not clear whether he was forced to undergo an involuntary mental examination under the Baker Act or if he voluntarily checked himself in for treatment. But – He was also caught with a weapon. He did have, I think, a handgun on him at the time that he was picked up. Now, it what what my first question in all of this was. So then, going back to this allegation of bullying in the Dolphins' locker room, was it what you and I would consider bullying, or did this guy just have a victim mentality sprinkled with a little bit of mental illness in there already? Yeah, I I thought it was odd when the story surfaced back in 2013 about bullying in the locker room. I mean, isn't that kind of what goes on in in most locker rooms when you're a competitor and you're an athlete and there's just trash talking that goes on back and forth? I mean, every team I've been a part of, it's all kind of part of it. You know, it, it was it was odd to me that somebody would raise a flag and say, I've been bullied in the locker room. You well, know, I don't know. And all of those all of those guys who were accused, Richie Incognito is the most recognizable name, but um, they've always maintained 
this happens in every locker room. This happens throughout football from high school all the way up through the pro ranks. And it was just nothing more than than silly routine hazing. I mean, when you spend that much time together, it's like in our office. You know, Oscar could make a case for the fact that he's bullied. You know, you haven't done that, though, have you? I haven't. It would not but be cool. But you could. are keeping a list, aren't you? Because we will fire <laughs> yeah. you. Oscar's, call it my manifesto. Yeah, Oscar's manifesto is going to come out. It's going to be a bestseller. Are you really keeping a list? I don't know. Well, it's keeping you on your toes. But uh, but Oscar doesn't report us because that's just the environment that we have. It's no, the we're same all thing. friends and we play around and right. everything like that. It's the that, same but... thing in a locker room. Oscar you know, also doesn't when... make threats. I mean, or or even see, this is the thing about the Instagram post itself. I never, when I read it a couple of times, when you're a bully, victim, or a, uh, and a coward, your options are suicide or revenge. I didn't think that that was a threat, but it's vague enough. And violent right. enough. It's like and the picture never... of the gun is right there with right. the casings. That, that's what I mean. I mean that 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 adds the violent nature to it. So Gary's never sent me an email with a picture of his guns on the bed and says, "Hey, we better get a great guest tomorrow," or, <laughs> or you know, dot dot dot. <laughs> Just leave it open to interpretation. Uh, Yet, well, well, and here's the problem. <laughs> so Jonathan Martin, we can assume maybe it was a fifty-one fifty situation. Right. He makes a post. They they go to investigate. They find the gun in the car. So he's locked up for 72 hours for a psych evaluation. And then what do we do with this guy? What do we do? I yeah, huh? I, I mean who's going to be who's going to be shocked if he shoots him if he harms himself or harms somebody else? Well, that's, that's the determination they're going to have to make within these 72 hours is by asking him the series of questions and I don't know what they are, but just getting a a, a rough feel about whether or not he is a danger to himself or others, because then they can keep him in longer. But I, I, it's just one of those things where it, now that we know that this guy has been uh, suffering some, some mental illness issues in the past, it all, it to me raised questions about the validity or the veracity of his stories from the Dolphins locker room. Yeah, it was weird when it happened, when the bullying story came out. It was odd. Something didn't feel right. And now that we know what this guy's dealing with uh, in terms of mental illness, it makes more sense. Yeah. All right. We come back. A uh, quick update on terror in the skies. And a, a international figure got thrown off a plane because, sure, he can kill the world's most wanted terrorist, but he can't handle a couple of rum and cokes, apparently. This is more than a couple rum and coke. You think so? This is about 35. Wow. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 64. This is like Ray Lopez in Cleveland. You know what I mean? I do. That's what we're dealing with here. I do remember that day. Later, we're going to talk more about uh, Kevin Smith, the uh, filmmaker, comedian, who was doing a show in Glendale last night and had a massive heart attack, they said. Uh, and he, his description of what happened is terrifying because it wasn't like a uh, uh, big heart attack, clutch your chest kind of thing. He talked about just feeling sick and nauseous and then throwing up and even feeling a weight on his chest, but not an actual... You know, TV-like heart attack. 
So, uh, but that 100% blockage in one of his arteries. Does that terrify you when you hear those stories? Want, yes, because my dad had a heart attack when he was 55. Which is why you should go uh, to the doctor. You want me to get a proctological exam, though. Um, you think that that's humorous. I don't think humorous. it's time for that yet. Yes, you what, do. What age do you have to do that? I think that part of it is like any time now. Oh, okay. I'm in the mid-40s. Well, why don't you just get it all done? Just go in and have them look at your, your heart plumbing and your other plumbing and uh, just get it taken care of so you can feel better when you hear stories like this. It's not going to make me feel any better. Well, we had a couple uh, terror in the skies moments over the weekend. Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. This is not a good picture. The, oh, the, the picture of the fire in the overhead uh, compartment. There was a uh, China Southern Airlines flight to Shanghai that had to uh, had to get all of the people off. They had to, uh, as they say in the airline business, disembark because smoke started to pour into the cabin from a bag in the overhead bin. Yeah, passengers were boarding the flight when that smoke began to pour into the cabin, and they recorded it, of course. And in the video recorded by a passenger, a flight attendant and fellow passenger seen attempting to extinguish the flames with bottles of water and juice. Luckily, the uh, fire department was close behind and was able to put out the fire. They, the the person responsible was escorted off by police. They, um, they said it was in a lithium-ion battery. It was a power bank, mostly power, most likely powered by a uh, lithium-ion battery. It was not being used when it caught fire. Now, these these lithium-ion batteries, we see them all over the place. Laptops, cell phones, power banks, they've known to been known to catch fire. Well, remember, there were people not allowing them on flights. Yeah, well, you, Samsung can't, thing. you cannot have them in checked luggage. Uh, you can have them in carry-on as long as they're turned off. Uh, but they did, some airlines did ban the smart luggage, which I've never, I guess it's got... Nobody needs smart luggage, but uh, that had lithium-ion batteries in it, and they didn't want those on their airplanes because it would have been a check, uh, checked baggage. The other story uh, for Terror in the Skies today is the Navy SEAL credited with or who claims to have killed Osama bin Laden was thrown off a plane yesterday. Rob O'Neill. Because airline personnel said he was too drunk to fly. This was an American flight. Does you know who I am? In Nashville, bound for Dallas. Before the plane t- took off, flight attendants noticed that this guy was extremely drunk. Hold on. <clears throat> how, how drunk do you have to be for the flight attendants to realize that guy's drunk? Well, he called one of the flight attendants a name, a vile name. Ooh. You can't do that. That tips them off. Well, did because did they say, uh, just ladies and gentlemen, we have a somewhat of a celebrity on board uh, in seat A1 up here in first class, a very drunk Navy SEAL. I mean, how do they, I want to know how this confrontation begins. Do they mention to him, you're drunk, or when he orders a, another drink, they say, sir, we're not going to serve you anymore. 
Well, this is clearly a first-class seat right? that he's sitting in. Yeah, so he would get a drink before they would take off probably, right? Right. Uh, Unless he aborted the plane Gurgles. Yeah. So when you've been when you've been turned down for a drink, how do you react? I've never been turned down for a drink on a plane. What's the matter with you? I just I want to know how. So he he calls her or him a, a bad name, and then he passes out, and he regains consciousness, and that's when the flight attendant tells him to get off the plane. He was belligerent, loud. Cops had to be called involved that's too bad he's that's unfortunate well there's an issue this guy has an issue i mean he was he was caught sleeping behind the wheel of his running car in montana i think a couple of years ago oh and he said it wasn't alcohol it was a sleep aid that he had taken and the court i think they they downgraded it it wasn't a dui although you and i it would have been a dui they downgraded it to something like, what was it called? Because the mitigating factor was that he killed Osama bin Laden. Yeah, what did we do? I mean, <laughs> there's that. But anyway, so uh, he got in some trouble. I expect there to be some sort of a public apology to American Airlines. Um, but that sucks. Do you see that advertisement right now? For the Those egg little thing? egg things? Yeah. That's pretty cool. What are those called? You can make perfect hard-boiled eggs. You just crack the egg in the uh, in the container there, and you pop it in the pot. I didn't know that that was. Why is it hard to make a hard-boiled egg that you need a new <laughs> utensil for it? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, oh, you can do deviled eggs too. With for that. our uh, terror in the skies, you can see the video of that fire from the battery pack uh, on our website. If you go to kfiam640.com, use the keyword Gary and Shannon. Well, it looks like uh, Democrats in the state of California are starting to eat oh, you their can own. Even do little frittatas in there. You put some veggies in there when you when you crack the egg in Oscar, there. Can we cancel the order for more um, Advil, cold and sinus, or whatever she's taking? She doesn't need any more. All right, we'll do. Thank you. The California Democratic Party it's eating its own young. We'll talk about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Come hang out with us on Thursday. Gas News and Brews. We are going to be at JT Schmidt's in Tustin. It's going to be a great time. The restaurant's exceptional. There's something for everybody. Uh, brewery, they have their own handcrafted microbrews, if you're into that. They have, they have 714 IPA. Mm. That's a good one. That's what I hear. I don't think I've ever had that. Well, you should try it on Thursday. I've, I've had the dumb blonde ale before and the Hef, I think, but not the 714. Did you give up drinking for Lent or for your body? Excuse me? Well, I know that you're going on vacation uh, in June. In June? And you want to get ready for that. No, it's for Lent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, because April have... 1st is the end of Lent, and so I'm you cannot already have a, figuring out what I'm having. A beer on uh No, but somebody else Thursday. can have it for me. True. I'd appreciate that. Anyway, that's going to be this Thursday. At I think JT Jesus will give you a news and brews off. Well, he did last year, right? When we had to, when we we didn't have to. But I we mean, went you to, want uh, to be a a fun host? I'm not fun unless I'm no, drinking. No, that's yeah, okay. not what I meant. Yeah, 
See how you see how you did that. Well, the California Democratic Party, I think you put it very, very well, um, is eating itself. It's not good. It's gross. You would think that this is the time for the Democrats to shine, to really take hold and uh, grow, take all this anti-Trump feeling that's out there and and really seize it. And th- that's not what's happening. But I, I feel like in that vein, I feel like so many Democrats believe that there is blood in the water, that there is a chance for November to make a huge change, to win back Congress or you know, make huge dents and inroads into Congress so that they, in the 2020, have a better chance at unseating the incumbent president. Um, but that no one is saying, I will do it, I will take the That's mantle. That's the problem. It's that there's a hundred people now saying, I will do it, I am the second coming. There are so many Democrats running for Congress in some districts that they could split the votes in the June primary and send two Republicans to the November election. That's the problem. Well, I mean, it needs some organization. It's potential. It's not likely. There's a potential that that Vera Gosa and Gavin Newsom do that in the governor's race. Yes. I mean, again, not likely, but possible. Yeah. Which would be quite funny if if one of those guys doesn't make. Could you imagine (laughs) a Republican governor in California? It's been a long time. Well, and especially what happened in the election. Right. I mean, this would. Wow. Um, And and to that end, one of the things that we've seen in the Democratic Party is how how many people are pushing farther to the left to prove their credentials. Case in point, Dianne Feinstein has not gotten the endorsement of the state Democratic Party. What? Yeah. The delegates took a vote. She got 54 percent. Kevin DeLeon got 37 percent if not if a candidate doesn't rise to 60 percent of of the of the delegation vote it doesn't endorse a candidate so, so Kevin de leon's considering this a huge victory well it's it's not a victory but it's not a loss how's that i think is a better way to put it in for his terms he said i'm running for the u.s senate because the days of democrats biding our time biting our tongue and triangulating on the margins are over he says, I'm running because California's greatness comes from acts of human audacity, not congressional seniority. So so I don't even I don't even understand this. I'll tell logic you what now. that means. Oh, well, all the, that means is. The left isn't left enough in California anymore. That's that's crazy. And I love his trigger word. Uh, pardon the pun uh, and a probably misuse of the term dog whistle, but. Acts of human audacity. The only time the word audacity is used in common vernacular in the last 10 or 15 years is in an Obama book. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a clear indicator that he's going for specific votes. If you loved Obama, you're going to love Kevin DeLeon. But the idea that somehow Dianne Feinstein's power within Congress, because she's been there for 25 years, is not a positive for Democrats in California. That's a criticism I don't understand. Listen, I'm all in favor of term limits. I think 25 years is way too long for one person to be in Congress. But but in this case, the argument that that then is bad for the state of California doesn't make any sense. Uh, I did think it's funny. She is still destroying him in the polls. I mean, you mentioned the numbers of 54% to 37%. That was within the California Democratic delegation 
whether or not they were going to endorse a candidate. Right now, she is out polling Kevin DeLeon 46% to 17%. So she's royalty in California. Yeah. yeah. She's got all kinds of money. I mean, people pray to her up in the Bay Area. That's weird. That is weird. Um, but she has $10 million in cash on hand. He has a half a million. She got yeah. 20 times the amount of money. And remember when she ran against Michael Huffington, that was the fir- was it the first $100 million Senate campaign, I think is, is the way it was labeled way back when. She has the ability to raise a lot of money. Yep. And put Kevin DeLeon way behind in that race. So we'll see how that goes. And she's got all that money that her uh, husband got paid from the bullet train people, too. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. All right. Coming up next, we have a livestock update. This is the first time we're doing this on the show. I didn't know we'd do that. We should get livestock noises. Okay. Remember that toy? Did you ever have that toy? It was a round toy. Oh, this. And you would pull it. Yes. And it would make all the farm animals' noises. A cow says. Yeah. Oh, boy. Farm animals. This Advil cold and sinus is fun, isn't it? All right, we'll do that. Uh, the CNSA farm, the farmer says. Yeah, the farmer says. Okay. My little baby brother had one of those. Oh! Uh, you're going to make me cry, Amy. It's <laughs> my job. We'll come back with the, what the farmer says from uh, Gary and Shannon continue. <laughs> it is meant to be, it'll be, it'll be, baby, just let it be. It is meant to be, it'll be, it'll be, baby, just let it be. Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Plumbing stories are great, aren't they? Everyone's got one. Dean Sharp is going to join us, the House Whisperer. We're going to talk about some plumbing issues. Do you know what the turkey says? Here is a turkey. Oh, my gosh. That is the sound of youth. Yeah, and... Do you remember, that's the old CNC thing, the farm animal thing. You would a pull out says. the string. You, yeah, you put your finger in the ring and you pull that string out and then all of a sudden the horse. This is a horse. Uh, and then they, I want to say late 80s, they had to change it and turn it into just a lever, like a slot machine. Yeah. Because kids were, I guess, wrapping the string around them, their necks or something. Um, but that was. Do you hear the frog? Oh, good times. We're going to have to do a quick livestock update here because um, some farm animals have made headlines the last couple of days. There was a guy who rode said farm animal, rode a horse onto the 91 freeway in Long Beach. Now, <laughs> that's what the horse says. <laughs> he was arrested and booked for riding a horse while under the influence. That's right. Is that a thing? Can you be, can you get in trouble for riding your horse after too many cocktails? You actually can, because CHP tweeted pictures of it over the weekend, and they sent out a reminder saying riding drunk counts as drunk driving. I had no idea. I knew you could do it. I knew you could get a DUI on a bike. Yeah, that's one of the things that they tell you your first week at Chico State. Right. (laughs) And, And furthermore, have you ever tried to ride a bike after you've had cocktails? It is Extremely yes, difficult. Not safe. Not 
It's safe. not the good only, idea. I didn't do it on the road, but I did it in the driveway of the house that I lived in with three other dudes in Chico. We would ride in circles along this long driveway. There's so many jokes. Go so on. many jokes. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not going to make. Uh, none of them drove a Miata. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> I know where you're going with that. They did a field sobriety test, which registered blood alcohol levels of between 0. 0.2 oh. and uh, be- between 0.21 and 0.19. So uh, the guy's well over uh, double the legal limit. Yeah, that's uh, that's well. For dry- but but I'm I could understand wanting to take a horse under the 91. No, I can't. I if he was on a street and not the highway, then it makes sense. The horse's name Uh-oh. is. How do I pronounce that? Guerra? Guerra? Yeah. That's Gary in Spanish. Oh. It's not. Guerra. No, it's I not. like that. Um but I didn't I didn't know that riding the horse while intoxicated would be an issue. What uh, what else can't you ride? Well, I think anything if you're on the freeway. Yes. What what other options are there besides bicycle, motorcycle, horse or other live large animal? Uh what about one of those little cars? Absolutely not. That the kids have. No, because then that's that's just illegal anyway. Right. But I suppose I don't know. I, I'm this not... is a, this is a kind of a gray area of the law. Well, apparently CHP has dealt with it enough that it's written in the rules somewhere. Oh, I got to tell you about the hero cow. Okay. Do we have what the cow does? Oh, I'm sorry. Of course we do. The cow says. <laughs> He's uh, a a I can imagine you today, today going to some like Goodwill and buying one of those things and then just sitting there and laughing at it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But the only place I'm going today is bed after this. Uh, a cow briefly escaped death in Poland. Let's just call this cow John for the sake of argument's sake, because it is a Polish cow. And... The cow briefly escaped death by ramming a fence and swimming to an island. This was in southern Poland. The cow was being led toward a truck bound for the slaughterhouse in late January when she broke free and ran through a metal fence. Now, the owner of the cow had told the workers, you're going to want to tranquilize this gal because she is powerful. Mm. They did not tranquilize her. So she overpowered them. In fact, one of the farm workers got a broken arm and a bruised rib as as old Bessie, I'm sorry, John, made her way out of there. John busted through that fence and then swam out to the nearby Polish islands of Lake Nyski, where she remained for weeks, thwarting capture. <laughs> this wild cow on a Polish island hiding from authorities. The cow has been called a hero by one local politician. Uh, a guy by the name of uh, Pawel Kukis. Very Polish name. When firefighters actually went out to the island to rescue her, she jumped the island once again and swam out to a nearby peninsula to escape even the firefighters there. Pawel Kukis says that he is going to make it his mission to save this one cow. Yes. Make sure that this one, it's like Lobby Joe, really. Uh, they're planning on finding a sanctuary for the runaway cow, deciding to hire a vet to tranquilize uh, the bovine and transport her safely off the island so that she doesn't have to go swimming again because, God forbid, a cow get into shape. I'm going to save this story for John. <laughs> I think he'd like it. The cow was shot with three sedatives before she was supposed to be loaded into a truck and taken to a farm. Oh, wait a minute. 
What? What happened? What did did the cow die? Did I not read the end of the story and now we made everyone fall in love with this cow and we're in and it's dead? The, the cow was shot with three sedatives before she was supposed to be loaded into the truck and died from stress. What? So I wish they she, would have, I wish they would have led that the fence and swam to an island to yeah. escape the slaughterhouse and died from stress after being tranquilized. This is a terrible story. Oscar, you suck. That story sucks. Oscar, you're the worst. Yeah. The cow says That's terrible. That's what the cow says. He lived one beautiful month alone on that on that island. And yeah, then they had to come. We didn't know he captain. died at the end. No, but Not think about it. His namesake, guys. his namesake would take that fate every day, and we know it. Living alone on an island for just a month, a month of peace. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> you know it. All right, we come back. Dean Sharp is going to join us. We're going to talk about all your plumbing issues. Shannon's got a funny story. When we come back, <laughs> I'm not telling that story. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. We've got a Heather Locklear update. Uh-oh. Apparently, she uh, nearly bit off her her boyfriend's nose. Oh, I thought it was just a scratch. Uh, nearly bit her boyfriend's nose off. And here's the kicker. This is what you can never get away with. She called the cop a C-word. A cop? Yes. No, a different word. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. The, she called the police officer the C-word. a C-word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's never going to fly. No, that's never acceptable. Wow. So uh, was alcohol involved? When you look at the mugshot, <laughs> I think that's an affirmative. Okay. Is that her official mugshot, the one I saw in there? This one right here? Only... Only a former a model takes a mugshot like <laughs> right, that. Right. She's not even looking straight on at the camera. She's kind no. of got a coy. Kind of She's bashful. doing the shot. You know what she looks like? She looks like Claire Danes in like 15 years when her character on Homeland goes off her meds. Uh, yes. Right? Totally. Did you watch you the latest episode it. last night? No, I didn't see oh. last night's. Well, I'm not not yet. Tell you. No. You right? Doesn't that look it. like old oh, yeah, Claire Danes? Totally. Like kind of bipolar Claire Danes. Uh, Dean Sharp has joined us, a host of. Uh, <laughs> Most of home here on KFI on Sunday mornings. And uh, you brought in toys today. I brought toys. This is uh, quite an assortment here. I just thought we could talk about plumbing. Now, those aren't... I'm a little embarrassed. Why? Why? Because I was sitting around yesterday thinking, all right, where are we going to go next with the show? And I was kind of like going through the list. And I thought we had hit everything, all the major house components in this last year. And I've never done a plumbing show. What? And I, I think what confused me is i've answered a ton of plumbing questions on the show oh and you know every time you talk about kitchens and bathrooms inevitably you're going to talk about plumbing stuff but we've never had uh the plumbing show. despite all of the interest in all the plumbing questions you've never had a, a, a show dedicated to it dedicated to that's a huge failure basic wow who's your producer thanks <laughs> it's a lot 
So where were you when you made this discovery that you hadn't done a lot of plumbing? Where were you in your house? Were, were you, you in the bathroom? Yeah, were you... Uh, were you using your I was sitting by the fire. Oh. I was oh, trying to have a, a weird place for a toilet. <laughs> trying to have a... Or it's a weird place for a fireplace. Either way. It's kind of genius. Weird. But there's... Uh, let's talk about plumbing. Okay. There's there's plumbing that comes... What do you want to talk about? Plumbing that comes into your house and plumbing that goes out of your house. Correct. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. More of okay, that. Okay. Right. Fancy so I brought, insight I brought on some Sunday. T- Plumbing is always the funnest thing to talk to you Are guys about. Are you on drugs today, Because too? I'm not. Okay. I wish I was because okay. of my back, but yeah. I'm not. All right. So, um, but it's always cool to talk plumbing with you guys because mostly yeah. you can turn anything, any plumbing conversation into sex and poop jokes. Hey, you Pro- didn't... Uh, probably more poop jokes, I would have just imagined. You didn't take <laughs> those toys out of your toilet, did you? No. Okay. None of these things have anything to do with a toilet. None okay. of these have actually Which, been used yet, except maybe exactly. the cutters, right? So I got a photograph to oh. show you guys real quick here. Yeah. So here's here we'll lead off with this. What is this, and where is it on your house? That is what I like to call a uh, <laughs> ball joint. No. Oh, Negative. Is that a thing? Is a ball joint a thing? Uh, the ball joint is a thing. Oh, that's not it. That's not it. I'm... I'm struggling for the right words. So was Oscar when I showed this to him in the air mix. I he was like, say I say it's a regulator, a go. flow restrictor. It's a pressure regulator. Pressure regulator. Good pressure. job. And it's going to be out on my uh, the the line the the, the main line, line main line that comes into my house before it comes into my house. Right. Excellent I'm, I'm, job. I'm always famously bringing in a visual aids I for us it. today. It's, yeah. So everyone can radio. enjoy them. Right. Other than the three of us. So so here's the thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, most everybody has a handle on whether, you know, how long their water heater is going to last when it starts going bad. Appliances, you know, we kind of assume we're going to buy an appliance and, you know, seven, ten years down the road, we expect, oh, that's an old refrigerator, that's an old, whatever. Um, pressure regulator. It's a really important component of your house plumbing because city pressure coming into your house is all over the, the board. Sometimes it's low. Now, lots of people complain, like, oh, my pressure sucks in my house. Uh, sometimes they mistake uh, bad pressure for the fact that they've got flow restrictors on all of their faucets. Right. So it's not so much pressure as it is bad flow out of the faucets. But here's the thing. City pressure can also spike. So a pressure regulator not only kind of brings the pressure to its appropriate level for all the plumbing in your house, but... It, it kind of acts like a uh, surge protector on your computer uh, in the sense that if something's going on down the street and the pressure spikes up way high, it protects the house uh, uh, plumbing. And the reason I bring it up is because about 55 pounds per square inch, 55 PSI is like optimal pressure for all the lines inside your house. All the lines inside your house are actually rated for a maximum of 80 PSI. And quite often, people's pressure regulators for their houses are broken. And so you can be sitting with a lot of pressure sitting in in the water lines in your house. It's not good for them. It's straining the joints. It's going to make the plumbing go out prematurely. It hurts your your appliances like your your water heater, your dishwasher. So how do you find out if you have an issue? Well, uh, there are little stuff starts... Squirting out of the there are seams. Little, there are very simple, very ec- economical gauges that you can buy that to actually just hook up to a line. 
to the end of a hose line, for instance, and uh, see what kind of pressure there there is the gauge. Uh, and the other thing is to have that gauge hooked up, and then you turn this little bolt on the top of the pressure regular because as you adjust this bolt on the top here, the pressure should go up and down. Now, if you're adjusting the bolt and nothing's happening, your pressure regulator is broken. And this is what they don't tell you about. Not only did they not show this to you when you bought your house, that it's even there, but the fact that these suckers last between 10 and 15 years, tops. Because there's a gigantic spring in here, and it gets used like a 1,000 times every day. That spring is moving and moving and moving, and it's like every spring, eventually it wears out. And so I would say it's safe to say that at least, I, this is not a scientific survey, but just from my experience, at least half of the homes in Southern California have broken pressure regulators that are doing absolutely nothing. And you might just be in an area where it's you're lucky that the city pressure is low or just moderate. But the fact of the matter is most of these things went bad a long time ago, and most people don't think, oh, it's 15 years. I better change out my pressure regulator. Is that a home fix-it? Is it a, something I could do? Or it I can be because, yeah, most of the time because these little uh, connections on the end here are what we call unions, mm-hmm. uh, which means it doesn't take advantage. You know, you get a pipe wrench out. You turn off the main uh, release the water pressure on the house, and you can swap this out. These things are about a hundred bucks, ish. Uh, and it's just important because the fact is that one hundred dollar appliance or device, I should say, um, could uh, add another ten years to the life of your pipes inside the house as long as it's doing its job. So it's a hundred dollar insurance policy against a several thousand dollar plumbing mishap somewhere exactly. else in the house. All right, we'll come back and we'll talk more about these uh, fun little toys that we have here. I have, including that. I have a uh, shock absorbing nipple for Shannon. I, I don't think you can say anything about that. I can't. Mm -mm. I would have, but I can't. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. Dean and his uh, that. (laughs) When we come back. Hey, Thursday, we are on the road. We're going to be live at J.T. Schmidt's in Tustin, the restaurant and brewery. They're handcrafted micro brews, uh, killer food, awesome service, and lots of tots. You are going to eat so many of those tots. I'm closing my eyes thinking about those tots. All right, let us know when you're done. I am done. That is going to be so good. Uh, centrally located right there at the district at Tustin Legacy in Orange County. We're going to be out there for the show from 10 until 2. Come on out and have some lunch, maybe a beer, whatever it is. We're going to be helping kick off OC Restaurant Week, uh, which takes place uh, the 4th through the 10th. But, again, we're going to be there this Thursday at J.T. Schmidt's in Tustin. We are chatting with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, host of home here on KFI. And we're talking plumbing. And he's helping us out with some uh, plumbing tips. What, what is, are those? Look at that pressure regulator. Put your finger in there. Yeah, look at that. Here, Shannon, you're going to cut a pipe. Oh, okay. There you, go. <laughs> Grab that. No, you can hold it one hand. Okay, yeah. one hand. Right. Put that in there. Wow, right. that's like oh a... Oh, my God, go. am I going to cut this? It? That looks like a box turtle almost. Go, it. Yeah, and then let go. Let oh. Ratchet in. It's like a ratchet. Keep going. Oh, like oh look at that. Oh, I feel so powerful. Right? right okay. Now. So Could now keep that. That was great. So this is a piece of PEX, PEX piping. PEX is uh, is taking the plumbing world by storm, for lots of good reasons. 
uh, because it's replacing copper, which replaced galvanized piping, uh, because it's inexpensive. Uh, it lasts longer than copper. It has uh, uh, a smoother interior, so less buildup happens uh, over it? the years. It's super light. It comes in hundred foot rolls. You can. Um, it can be a toy. You can. Okay, so now we're going to turn you into a plumber, right? Because okay. uh, <clears throat> if you're going to uh, uh, have a copper system, water system in your house, then you either have to know how to what we call sweat copper pipes together, which is when you take flux and solder and a blowtorch and you know it's very you know i'm i'm not bad at it but i'm not good at it either i can actually sweat a a, a fitting together but it's not pretty uh when it's well, it done doesn't have to be it's, uh, but it's uh but here here's the whole process with pack so you hold on to that okay this is what we call a shark bite uh, uh fitting and you push this we're going to share the microphone here <laughs> push this Right on there. This shark right bite fitting now, is just a ninety degree, as, as hard as you can, ninety degree angle. There you go. There you go. Okay. All right. Then you put this one in here. Do the same thing. Okay. That one. And both ends. And now try and pull them out. They're in there for good. That's it. Oh man. That's it. The end. And you, there's a little shark on the shark bite. It is. Bite. You are a plumber now. This is the process of uh, fitting plumbing. To your new home, it's fantastic. Shark? I didn't see that. Now, a shark bite fitting is is not cheap. That fitting right there is uh, seven bucks. But just for that little ninety degree, just for that little ninety degree. But think about this: the PEX lines, uh, when they have room, like running through your attic and so on, uh, they bend. They can bend, oh. uh, and so the number of actual ninety degree fittings and couplings that you actually need for a PEX system. Versus the old style, which you know you can only make straight lines, straight runs, bend it, bend it, bend it, join it. Uh, you know, maybe twenty foot long pipes at the most that you're ever going to get in copper. Uh, so there's a lot of joints here. There aren't many joints at all, and you literally—that is it. That's it, Shannon. That's the whole thing. Now here, hand that to me. See this little orange ring right here? Yeah. Slide that on. Like so. What if you made the cut and you put it in, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's not the right length. So. This ring pushes down. It depresses the little tab. and You just pulled oh. it apart. Okay. And we can do that as many times as we want. That's a permanent fitting. And this right here pulls it off. Uh, this is 21st century plumbing right here. These lines, they have uh, completely taken over plumbing on the East Coast because a PEX line, unlike a copper line or any kind of metal line, can actually expand up to 15% uh, internally. So the the old story about, like, if you're on in, in an area where the water pipes freeze, oh, uh, we went on vacation, it was wintertime, the water, the pipes froze, and, and, cracked. and because water expands when it freezes, it busted my pipes. These don't bust. They actually, you know, take the swelling. This little guy right here is, in fact, a shock-absorbing nipple. Why is it called a nipple? Well, that's just a plumber thing. A uh, nipple is a, a, a nipple. A nipple really? is clearly. Yeah, I mean, you think about what things are named, yes. right? Inside your toilet, there's a ball cock. Yes, there's, there's male couplers. There there's are female couplers. There's... There are nipples everywhere <clears throat> wow. in a plumbing system. But any short little piece of pipe is technically a nipple. This is a shock absorbing nipple, and so it, it doesn't have. It doesn't. Water doesn't pass through it. What you would do is you would. Uh, you know, 
dig into an existing line and put a T on there and you would screw this in and mount this uh, into your plumbing system. There's a little, again, kind of like the pressure regulator, there's a spring and a, and a diaphragm. Here, See, here we go. There's just no, <laughs> there's a rubber, nipple. there's a spring and a rubber diaphragm inside this nipple. Interesting. But what this does is this is a shock absorber for water. And so if your house is suffering from what we call water hammer, which is when you turn on or off a faucet or a valve and you hear that gun, 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 that's, it doesn't That's water tur- mm-hmm. changing direction inside your pipes and rattling your pipes. A lot oh. of times you'll find those uh, where your washing machine uh, yes. supply lines come yes. in, right? Washing machine or sometimes right above the water heater. Oh, yeah. You know, anytime, <laughs> anywhere where, where some main lines are, are uh, accessible. And this is 10 bucks. That's it? 10 bucks. So there is the moral of the story today is there is a there's a whole new set of uh, kind of sea changes in plumbing technology that essentially not only are they better pieces of equipment for plumbing our houses, but they are very quickly making it easier for people legitimately to DIY their plumbing as well as as long as you take your time and follow the rules as well as a professional plumber ever could. Uh, my takeaway was that. <laughs> Plumbers are gross. <laughs> have to name everything after uh, body parts. Well, it's just easier mm-hmm. to visualize that way. Perhaps you know. there are certain things that I will be willing to try down the line when it comes to do-it-yourself stuff at home. Plumbing will never be one of them. No, no, why not? Uh, you know, it's like you were talking about. You could do it, but it's not really your gift. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel about do-it-yourself plumbing. <laughs> Excellent. I guess right. press it's probably a could smart probably choice. follow some directions, but... <laughs> but I think we all feel a little safer <laughs> that you've made that choice. I am okay going to your house now. <laughs> Dean, thank you. More of this plumbing stuff coming up on Sunday on Home. The right Plumbing here on Show. The Plumbing Show. Finally. Everywhere uh, people have been clamoring. We've been getting emails. When is Dean going to talk about the pressure-regulating nipples? Well, now is the time. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. I mean, we can talk about them. Because I feel feel like they weren't even mine. I feel like someday, someday we're going to have to talk about them. Maybe not today. We can talk about it. Maybe on Friday. And now I'm just wildly insecure about my chest, <laughs> thanks to Oscar's Instagram picture. With the filter that he put on that hey, Instagram. I don't know what you did. Some people would have thanked me for a picture like you that. You totally have a big boob filter, don't you? All Man, boobs the, get supersized. It's called I can't, the uh, Jane Mansfield, I think. <laughs> I can't divulge my secrets, guys. Gary and Shannon, it's, uh, it's Monday. Uh, a little bit later... 12.30, we're going to get into a Swamp Watch, talk about what's going on in D.C. The president has uh, hosted, or is hosting, I should say, governors from around the country. One of the big di- issues today was um, was school safety, so we'll talk about that. Also, the updates on, on Heather Locklear, the domestic violence arrest from last night, apparently almost bit off her boyfriend's nose. And then drop the seed bomb on one of the police officers you who can, showed up to arrest her. Yeah, you can get away with the nose thing sometimes, but not calling a cop a C-word. And definitely not the combination of the two. By the way, Thursday we are going to be live. Our gas news and brews will be at J.T. Schmidt's in Tustin. We'd love it if you would come on out and have some lunch. We're going to be right there centrally located at the district at Tustin Legacy in Orange County to help kick off OC Restaurant Week, which starts on March 4th. But again, we'll be out there this 
Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Hey, Blake, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. The U.S. Supreme Court today declined to hear the Trump administration's appeal of a federal judge's ruling that requires the government to keep DACA going. Hmm. So the lower court order remains in effect, which means the Department of Homeland Security must continue to accept renewal applications from about 700,000 people who are currently enrolled in the program. All right. Well, I'm not sure. Nancy Pelosi says this shows that rescinding DACA was not only legally questionable, but it was unjust and cruel. The, the president has said for months now, was it September that he made this declaration that he was going to have it end on March 5th and that it was going to be up to Democrats to do something about it? Don't forget, Congress has been sitting on its collective thumb here when it comes to DACA and getting an immigration bill together. Both sides are I'm looking at both sides saying, why is it that you can't figure something out, at least baby steps to figure out how you're going to put this thing uh, to rest? So March 5th was the original deadline. It's unclear exactly what this does to the deadline, but for the most part, it's basically wiping that off the books and saying until there is a court decision from the lower courts, we're not going to uh, we're not going to have a deadline. Now, so. if Congress does get off its collective rear end, uh, any legal case would probably be dismissed at that juncture. The president is talking about the Florida school shooting and what he would have done had he been there. You know, I really believe you don't know until you test it. But I think I, I really believe I'd run in there even if I didn't have a weapon. And I think most of the people in this room would have done that, too, because I know most of you. I, I don't. I don't know if I would ever say that out loud. You don't get to say that. I've said, you know, it's one thing to daydream about. Not daydream. That's not the right word. You hope you're that guy. I hope I'm that guy. You hope that if that ever happened, if you found yourself in that situation, that you would be the guy that runs in, that puts your life on the line to save others. But you don't know that. And you don't get to Monday morning quarterback uh, a shooting massacre that took the lives of 17 people. You know who I'm going to leave that up to? And I'll, I'll leave that up to... First responders. I'll leave that up to other police officers, other sheriff's deputies, whatever, to determine what actions took place on that Wednesday when the shooting was going on. I'll leave it up to them to determine whether or not the deputies and the police officers responded correctly. The deputy, Scott Peterson, that resigned over this. Remember, there was a report that he was outside the building for four minutes while the shooting was going on and he did not enter. Uh, He has lawyered up. And the lawyer says his client has been unfairly described as a coward for following protocol when he did not race into that school. This guy uh, handed over the keys to the Coral Springs SWAT team when they arrived. Literally. gave them the detailed map of the school that he had. Well, in the statement that he gave or his lawyer gave to ABC News described how this uh, deputy believed that the shooting was actually outside the buildings, which if that's the case, why did he give keys to a building to the Coral Springs police SWAT team if he believed the shooter was still outside? I, I don't know. It's it's a weird, weird story. There were also allegations from Coral Springs police that it wasn't just Deputy Peterson, that there were other Broward County deputies who were outside the building as well and did not go into where the actual shooting was taking place. Looks like the state of California may approve a change of rules that would allow driverless cars without human operators to hit the streets for the first time. 
Under uh, the current DMV law, manufacturer that is shall not permit any of its autonomous test vehicles to be operated on public roads. When an autonomous vehicle test driver is not seated in the vehicle's driver's seat, monitoring its operations to be able to take over. So this is the uh, the next step to for have a car without somebody to hit the emergency brake. Kevin, Kevin Smith has been trending uh, because yesterday he survived a, a massive heart attack. He tweeted a photo of himself in a hospital bed today, notifying his full, uh, followers that he had pulled through and he had to cancel a gig last night. He says, after the first show this evening, I had a massive heart attack. He's 47 years old. Man. 100% blockage <laughs> of an artery. Doctors refer to as that widow maker. He is nowhere near as big as he used to be, um, but I can only imagine that the size, the up and down uh, weight that he has had for the last 47 years, basically, has got to put a tax on that heart. Um, But he said uh, if he hadn't canceled the second show, he would have died. And he referred to the, the symptoms that he had, just basic, you know, simple nausea that he threw up after his first show and then... Felt lightheaded and then felt this pressure on his chest. The way that my uh, dad described his heart attack many years ago was he felt like an elephant was standing on his chest. Not that it was painful, you know, like a sharp pain or anything, but just pressure. It was also that he had to drink a Diet Coke instead of his favorite RC. Ooh. Yeah. Like they were out of RC and he popped open a Diet Coke and drank that and then boom. That actually makes a little bit of sense. It's true. You wanted the sauce, and now you have it. McDonald's has brought back the Szechuan sauce. Thank goodness. <laughs> I didn't realize you were eagerly anticipating it, Amy. Hey, if it's Szechuan, it's tasty. If you remember, they had the Mulan limited edition dipping sauce from 1998. Is that when Mulan came out? 1998. Oh, my God. Yes. A spring episode of Rick and Morty featured the title characters traveling back in time to get Szechuan sauce. <laughs> Oh, boy. So then they returned it to, like, two restaurants or whatever it was and then ran out. So today you can get your Szechuan sauce. Szechuan. 20 million packets of Szechuan sauce. February. February. Available all across U.S. McDonald's restaurants. That might make me go to McDonald's. I'm thinking about some McNuggets. Absolutely. That would make your cold feel better. I agree. Questionable food decisions. The son of the billionaire Little Caesars founder has been found dead surrounded by drugs in a hotel room. I didn't know that the Little Caesars founder owned both the Red Wings and the Tigers. I didn't either. Yeah, uh, he was found dead on a, in a Marriott in Troy, Michigan. Ronald Illich uh, looks exactly like the Little Caesars guy who goes pizza, pizza. Numerous narcotics found in the hotel room, mostly prescription drugs. Hmm. Did he work there or was he just the guy, the son? I don't think he's probably worked a day in his life. Well, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we come back, uh, finally, we get to wrap up the Olympics uh, and talk about uh, Sean, John Schuster's five-point shot in that curling match. Andy Reid? No, the other guy. Oh, got it. Andy Reid did well, but John Schuster was the skip. Gary and Misa Shannon. was the captain. They call you him- did a deep dive on Before. curling. Oh, I, oh uh, man. Good. Okay. He dropped the hammer on him. She's a California
Terry and Shannon. Well, the Olympics are over. Did you hear the brouhaha about the uh, Korean cheerleaders? The North Korean cheerleaders? Yes. Yeah. What about them? Apparently it was pointed out, you know, like, oh, is that so nice or something? And right. then there had to be, a, of course, a huge political reaction to it. Uh, you know, those girls are actually uh, Kim Jong-un's men will pick them out and they have to be their girlfriends. And they're, you know, they're forced into they're right, right, right. cheerleading slavery. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but can't you just enjoy the Olympics for a little bit? Yeah, that's the thing. Just you can't. It. Do you guys remember the, the World Cup in South Africa? All the quote-unquote North Korean fans that were in the stands were Chinese actors hired. They were all 30 to or like 28 to 35-year-old Chinese men that fit like a certain physical body type to wow. make them look like as strong as possible. It was pretty awesome. I don't think that's going to happen at uh, at the Olympics. They the closing ceremonies were last night. I uh, got to see a little bit of it, and shame on NBC for letting Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir do the play by play on that thing. They that was the some of the worst commentary I think I've ever heard. They were fantastic at figure skating. They did a great job at figure skating. They were horrible in the closing ceremonies. Were they? It's just what what about them? Didn't you like? It's they, just, what, like there they was not. Uh, they're not serious enough. I don't know if it was that they weren't serious enough. I don't even care. I mean, it's the closing ceremony, so I guess I'm just – why would you let them do it and not Mike Tirico? Why would Why would you – You're trying to get in that younger demographic. Really? The ratings are down. Maybe a, a Hail Mary at the last minute. Put some sparkle on that closing ceremony. <laughs> Put a there rhinestone was definitely on sparkle. it. And, was there? Uh, oh, yeah. He had uh... – he had the, uh, a star with rhinestones, like a shooting star with rhinestones in his hair. Huh. Yeah, How come was... you never wear stuff in your hair, Hoff? It looked good in you, on, on Gary. The guy put stars in his hair, birds. The guy had birds in his hair. Yeah. I think that's all you have to say. Had birds in his hair. And they'll be back in four years. Uh, I can't wait. Um, the big, big event over the weekend was... The figure skating gala that took place on Saturday night. I'm just kidding. It was the uh, the curling gold medal match between the United States and uh, and Sweden. There was a guy for the Swedish team who was the skipper Eden. I think his name was last name Eden. He looked like Conor McGregor, and he was a bad ass when it comes to the world of curling. But John Schuster uh, was the skipper for the U.S. team, and he launched a um, he launched a shot. In one of the closing ends, it's like an inning baseball, but it's called an end, uh, that was a five-point shot. I don't think there was more than two five-point shots in all of the curling competition for the entire uh, two weeks. Are you trying to uh, take Fred Rogan's gig? That's what I'm sensing. Well, I mean, you seem to have, over the weekend, mastered every facet of of the game. No, I, I would never. But I did notice that my local ice arena, the ice station, was doing three different introduction to curling classes on Sunday night, banking on the gold medal win for the United States and hoping to get some uh, some publicity out of it. Is this something you're looking to get into? I don't know. Have you ever tried it? No. Why no. don't you? I've I've been cold while bowling, and I think that's as close as I've come. A little different. And I've slipped on ice. This could be your thing. 
I guess this is this could be your special that, talent. Yeah, because none of a, those guys are like in their twenties, right? They're all in their thirties and forties, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And they're they don't they're not in peak physical shape. Gary, it's never too late to be who you might have been. <laughs> Look who's talking. What does that mean? I don't know. Okay. Uh swap watch when we come back. Congress returning, pressure to act on guns. We've got dueling memos now over the Russia probe investigation. The uh, Democrats have put out their memo saying that it clears the FBI. We'll get into all of it. Gary and Shannon will continue. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Gary and Chan, on this uh, Monday, a reminder, a few days from now, on Thursday, we're going to be live at J.T. Schmid's in Tustin for our gas news and brews. Help kick off OC Restaurant Week, which starts on March 4th. We'll have more details as we get a little bit closer. Members of Congress returning to work after a 10-day break. A lot of pressure to respond to all the protests we've seen about gun violence. Uh, No plan appears ready at this point. Um, But the president has been pretty vocal on on making some... I saw an interesting stat today. It said after Vegas, uh, the percentage of people that are in favor of some changes with gun laws uh, went up by like 20, 25 percent, something like that. Um, And they attributed it to the president and that people are changing their mind because this is a a Republican president who's actually willing to have the conversation a little bit. Um, One of the things that happened today was the Supreme Court early today refused to hear the administration's challenge to what was a lower court ruling that temporarily blocked it from winding down the DACA program. Joining us to talk about this, Lana Zach, who is in D.C. Lana, how are you? Hey, Gary and Shannon. I'm doing well. You know, it's interesting. Today at the Supreme Court, uh, there wasn't a lot of fanfare as that decision was handed down. Um, because, in part, what it said was that they are not interested in taking up the DACA case yet, that they want to allow the regular legal process to unfold. And so what that means is that lower court uh, decision, that judge who intervened in January and and put a temporary stay on President Trump's um, decision to end the DACA program on March 5th, that uh, that, that will continue to play out in the courts. It's headed now to an appeals court, uh, and that eventually the Supreme Court may actually take it up. But then we're looking at more in the October range. And for now, that means that Dreamers will continue to be able to apply for renewals of their DACA um, work permits and that the Department of Homeland Security needs to accept those. What do you think uh, is going on with Congress on this front? Have you sensed any movement? Well, you know, they were working quickly to try and do something before uh, they wanted to do something before the President's Day recess. They weren't able to get that accomplished. And today, as, as the first day that Congress has been back has been sort of a sleepy day. And it may be the case that the Supreme Court delaying this action gives them a little bit more wiggle room, makes them feel a little bit more like they can cool their heels because that March 5th deadline becomes less critical than it once was. And this decision today, this this ruling, doesn't necessarily mean the Supreme Court won't 
hear it once it goes through the appeals process, right? I That's mean, exactly right, Gary. And it, and it's quite possible that they will eventually have to hear this case if Congress can't come up with a legislative solution. That's what what uh, the Trump administration has said needs to happen, that they have maintained that they are in favor of, um, of some sort of legal protections for DACA recipients, but they want it to go through a they want it to go through Congress and a legislative means rather than an executive order, which is what President Obama did. Uh, so that's that's been their position on things. And and if Congress can't come up with a solution, it may in fact end up back at the Supreme Court. So where does this leave people, uh, the Dreamers, as they they are called? Do they keep uh, applying for renewal? They absolutely should. That's that's the best guidance for them at this moment because the Department of Homeland Security be, uh, needs to continue to accept those, um, and and they'll continue, of course, um, advocating and and monitoring what happens in the lower court. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is the next up to to evaluate this. And the reason why the Supreme Court even got involved at all was because the Trump administration wanted to try and bypass uh, that regular legal process and just bring it directly to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said that they that they have faith in the lower courts and the legal process as it's, as it's really designed, that they'll go ahead and act expeditiously on this. And then if they need to get involved later, they will. And uh, we know very well that this is in the uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is up in San Francisco, um, usually referred to as one of the most, if not the most liberal appeals court uh, of all of them. And President Trump sort of made that uh, that point today when he was talking about his reaction to the Supreme Court's decision. He said that the he he essentially uh, said that he doesn't expect that the Ninth Circuit will agree with him. Uh, that they that he expects that they'll uphold that lower judge's ruling and that it will eventually end up at the Supreme Court. And that's where he thinks uh, the administration will prevail. Lana Zach, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, coming up next, we will dive into that Democratic memo. Well, we'll just give you what you need to know. We're not going to get into the weeds. Also, Kamala Harris, a White House run sooner than anticipated. Uh, Is it going to be Kamala Harris versus Eric Garcetti? I actually thought that that was a horrible idea for Democrats, but um, I'll explain why I think there's going to be a lot of push for her to be the, the nominee, or at the very least, one of the short list of candidates for the Democratic Party. We'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. In the next hour, we will have all the latest about the Heather Locklear domestic violence arrest. Man. This one is layered. <laughs> you, it goes beyond just biting off uh, or attempting to biting off a boyfriend nose and dropping a C-bomb on one of the cops. She's uh, apparently a little kicky, too. Likes to get all kicky when the police come around. That's not a good Also thing. a bad move, yeah. All right, well... Several weeks ago, we told you about the Republican memo that came out. Congressman Devin Nunez, uh, head of the House Intelligence Committee, came out with the, the memo that described what he said was the FBI using opposition research put together by Democrats to go after Carter Page and go after the Trump campaign without actually telling the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court that 
that opposition research was put together by the Democrats and that they relied heavily on what was the Christopher Steele dossier in an attempt to get that FISA warrant for Carter Page. A dossier that was uh, not vetted, shall we say. Yes. Thin on the uh, sources. And the sources that, that Christopher Steele had, everybody believed that he was an okay source, but they weren't sure about the Russian counterparts and sources that he was using, these secondary sources, basically. The Democratic memo wants to point out that they used very little of the information from Mr. Steele's sources. FBI only used a very small piece of information provided by Mr. Steele. Well, and they said that um, the after weeks of the FBI going through and redacting parts that would have been a problem, I guess you could say, to national security on Saturday afternoon, they released it. And Adam Schiff, the minority ranking member on the House Intelligence Committee, said that the actual application for the F, uh, that the FBI sent to the court asking for permission to spy on Carter Page had a key line in it. And it's, it says the application explicitly notes that the FBI speculates that Steele had been hired to find information that could be used to discredit candidate number one, which we know is Donald Trump, his campaign. That the FBI clearly states right there in the application that they believed Christopher Steele was, in fact, hired to find dirt on Donald Trump. Since the core of the Republican memo was that the FBI didn't say that, they did admit in Nunez's memo that it was buried into a footnote at one point. Now, the thing is, even if the FBI, now to kind of play both sides here, even if the FBI was relying on Christopher Steele's opposition research to come up with evidence against Carter Page doesn't mean necessarily that it was politically motivated. For example, if I go to the FBI with information on you, it's not because I like you, right? The FBI gets tips from people all the time who don't like the person that they're giving information on. Sure. And the FBI, it should be noted, takes information from a number of unsavory individuals, drug cartels, members of the mafia. That's how the FBI does its business. It's just weird. If you've read through the Democratic version of this memo, it's weird the linguistic gymnastics that they go through. In order to prove their point. Yeah. Which it's is almost, almost too much. He, well, Doth protest too much. I just I just read that part where it says that the FBI explicitly noted that the FBI speculated that this may have been opposition research. I'm going to read to you, quickly run through this paragraph of where they say this, okay? Um, an unidentified U.S. person indicated to source number one that a U.S.-based law firm had hired the identified U.S. person to conduct research regarding candidate number one's ties to Russia. The identified U.S. person hired source number one to conduct this research. The identified U.S. person never advised source number one as to the motivation behind the research into candidate number one's ties to Russia. The FBI speculates that the identified U.S. person was likely looking for information that could be used to discredit candidate number one's campaign. That would not be acceptable in a college class. Because there's so much speculation at that point. Right. And, and if the FBI um, if the FBI speculated that that U.S. person was likely looking for information, why didn't they just come out and say it? They knew that that's what this was. They knew that it was an opposition research document at that point. So there's both. I mean, everybody's taking their own uh, scoopful of truth, perhaps, and powdering it down with their own version of, uh, of honey and sugar.
Kamala Harris is more and more positioning herself for what is expected to be a very crowded primary for the Democrats for the White House in 2020. She's taking positions, uh, people at Capitol Hill are saying, she's taking positions that could endear herself with the Democratic base, but allowing her to stand out. I think we're seeing this. We talked earlier about Kevin DeLeon running for Senate uh, against Dianne Feinstein, saying that California Democrats are not progressive enough, that the party is not progressive enough, and that he's going to be the new face. Right. She voted against the Senate immigration bill, uh, backed by centrists from both parties, waiting until the last minute to break with other liberals like uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, She argued that, while yes, the bill would have provided a pathway to citizenship for the uh, Dreamers, she could not support it in good conscience because of the inclusion of money for the wall. It's interesting. She also took issue with uh, Wayne LaPierre when he spoke to CPAC over the weekend, saying, I'm not going to be silenced by attacks from the NRA or anyone else. I guess he, by name, called her out uh, as saying that she was one of those uh, one of those people who is a European-style socialist who is bearing down on us. But here's the part. Kamala Harris has been in the Senate for all of two minutes. Right. Um, which is roughly the same time that Barack Obama had been in the Senate before he decided to run for president. True. And she has much more experience. I mean, having been the attorney general for the state of California. For five minutes. For another five minutes. But, I mean, you add the minutes together. Compared to him, he was in the Illinois State House, I think it was, for a while. Uh, and before that was uh, a law professor. I mean – she at least has more experience than he does, and he's being held up as the darling of the Democratic Party. I wish, you know, people longing for the days of Barack Obama, uh, she may position herself and put her in a place where they say, hey, you can't have Barack. Maybe you can have me. Does she have kids? She will. Uh, I will Google. Uh, she I don't know. It doesn't matter. I was just She curious. would definitely win the fight against Eric Garcetti. Oh, yes. Even though he can check off the Latino Jewish boxes, uh, I think a woman for the Democrats this next this next go around well, is going to be. I want my this is going to be totally sexist. I want my I want my male candidates to have a certain amount of I want to edge to them. I, I want to know that they they would be able to get into a fight and and at least hold their own. And I feel like she is much more scrappy than he is, if it ever came down to that. And I would love to see the two of them fight. That would I would pay for that. She dated Willie Brown when she was a deputy DA in the 90s. Interesting. What's the age difference there? That's got to be a 25, 30-year age difference between the two of those. That's bizarre. No kids. But she is married. She has uh, one niece and two stepchildren. One's in college, one's in high school. Oh, okay. Is married, yeah. All right, when we come back, uh, Rebecca Jarvis is going to join us. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. We'll also get into uh, the latest out of uh, Parkland, Florida, because kids are going back to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School this week. We'll talk with Jim Ryan a little bit later on The Gary and Shannon Show. It's Market Monday on Gary and Shannon. Because everyone loves money. And alliteration sounds great on the radio. You've been practicing. Gary Shannon. Yes. A reminder that we're going to be out live at uh, J.T. Schmid's in Tustin this Thursday. 
I'd like to officially extend an invitation to Rebecca Jarvis to show up on Thursday at J.T. Schmidt's in Tustin. Are you going to be there? J.T. Schmidt's. I love J.T. Schmidt's in Tustin. (laughs) That's not an answer to the question. Are you going to be there? Yes, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be hiding in the background. I don't want to be mobbed by all of the listeners who, like, love this segment. So I'll be there in a disguise. I will not introduce myself, but I will be there, and I'll give you a full update in Mm. time. Monday about what I thought about the whole thing. Rebecca Jarvis, ABC <laughs> News Chief of Business, Tech, and Economy. She is also the host of the No Limits podcast and our friend here Yay. and joins us every Monday uh, for Market Mondays. And we were off to a pretty good uh, pretty good start this week on Wall Street, huh? Yeah, not bad. Uh, Dow up almost 400 points today. And when you look back, I mean, we've talked now throughout this year. It has been a volatile one for stocks. And for those of you out there who have a 401k or an IRA, there have been some very uh, difficult days, some white knuckle days. Um, But if you look at the market right now, year to date, stocks are up between three and 4% this year. And from those highs that we hit in January, basically a month ago, we're we're only down about 3% from those highs. So we're up for the year and we're down about 3% from the highs. So ultimately, those days where it felt like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? We're down almost 10% at one point for the year. Not so anymore. We've climbed our way back. Um, When it comes to some of the larger corporations that we know have been involved with this uh, discussion about the NRA, Delta, United, uh, a a list of companies, some of them huge, some of them not so huge, um, that have decided that they're going to cut ties with the NRA or or stop offering deals to NRA members. Does this show up uh, on Wall Street? Do we see a blip at all as a result of this? In the, in the stock prices, but I do think it raises an interesting point about the time that we live in, which is we're in this moment where, um, and I've talked off the record, I've talked to a number of public company CEOs where not just on this particular topic, but on so many topics, there's now this it's almost like a hand that's forcing them to weigh in, um, to take a stand. Whereas five, ten years ago, you could be a public company, you might not take a stand on what's happening in the news and what's what's happening in that moment. Now, your your stakeholders are your shareholders, your customers, and your employees. And when you have a hashtag like boycott NRA that becomes a very powerful uh, force in the world of social media, all of these things together put a much bigger weight on the shoulders of any public company CEO to make choices that five, again, five, ten years ago, there wasn't that much, there wasn't the same degree of weight on public companies to make choices like this and to have to make a real draw a line in the sand on issues like this. And we saw Delta and United uh, pulling out. Hertz, uh, an Omaha bank. We've seen Truecar pull out. Uh, MetLife pulling out, Chubb pulling out. So there, there. This is a broad spectrum of companies that have ended their relationships with the NRA. Well, and and these weren't necessarily high-profile relationships with them. Right. It was if you happen to be an NRA member, you might get a notice that says, Reward. "Hey, yeah, when when you when you uh, 
when you fly on Delta, you'll get an extra 3% off your ticket price or 5% or something like that. Exactly. It's like the idea that one club membership translates to a benefit in some other way with businesses. People can think of their AAA card as benefiting to certain um, with certain businesses. So it was – this is not – for these companies, this is not the primary um, their primary business, um, but it, it probably was an incentive for some to use those businesses. If you think about the NRA has a membership of five million people, there are three hundred and thirty million people in the United States. Um, so while that's not nothing for these businesses, these businesses are in many cases multinational businesses that have um, you know customers all over the world. Market Watch talked to a, a mom from Missouri that uh, wanted to do what she could uh, when it comes to taking action against gun violence. And so mm-hmm. she says she emailed her financial advisor and was almost afraid to ask the question if she could take her savings out of mutual funds that hold gun company stocks and move it. Yeah. And part of the thing about this, it's, it's an interesting question. I've covered this question now for many years because of the fact that we've seen these mass shootings for so many years now and um, it, it tends to come up in the in the wake of these mass shootings and it's more difficult than you might think uh, to to completely divest of publicly traded gun companies there there are three publicly traded gun companies uh, currently American outdoor brands Sturm Ruger and Vista outdoors and most of those most of the the major stock indexes. So most of the index funds that exist, a number of mutual funds that exist actually have, these are not the primary holdings, but they are companies that oftentimes are in the holdings of the mutual funds, the index funds that live inside of many of our 401ks and IRAs. And if you wanted to uh, divest of them entirely, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Now, if you, for example, if you have a Vanguard index fund or a Vanguard fund in your IRA or your 401k, you can call up their customer service and ask them for information on each of the the different funds that you own and ask them to send you whether or not they own shares in those public companies. But it again, it is not the easiest thing to do. There are there are certain they're called values based robo advisors. There's one called Open Invest. So customers can quickly divest from companies that get more than five percent of their revenue from the sale of weapons or ammunition. So that's one of the resources out there. But for most people, most people have a four oh one K. Most people have an IRA, and they're choosing funds. They're not choosing individual stocks to own. And a lot of those funds, believe it or not, do hold gun companies in them. How many, how many different stocks would one mutual fund own? Hundreds? I, yeah, some of them can own hundreds. Some of them can own uh, a much smaller number than that. But it really, if you're, most people, when, for example, if, if someone comes to me and they says, they say, how do I get start learning to invest in the market? You, the one of the easiest ways to do that is through an index fund, and an index fund basically owns 
the market, the S&P 500. They are owning most of the companies that reflect what's happening inside of the S&P 500. And their, their holdings, the other thing is, this isn't a stagnant thing. What, what your holdings are inside of an ETF or a mutual fund or an index fund, they're shifting around. I mean, I'm not, they're, they're not necessarily um, going from like zero to 100% of the portfolio, not in those massive degrees, but they're, they're shifting around how much of that one particular stock is held inside of that particular fund day to day. Um, many of them are if they're actively traded. So it's not, again, this idea that one could go out and pinpoint. People often ask me this, uh, like a company like Apple, for example, by the way, has nothing to do with this conversation about gun companies. However, Apple is one of those companies that a lot of people, they get interested in, they're curious, do I own it? Well, yeah, probably you do own it. Even if you don't own Apple stock, Apple is one of the most widely held companies in the world. So it's probably, you probably own actually a good chunk of it already in your 401k. Rebecca, can you hold on for a second? I'd love to. Absolutely. Rebecca Jarvis with ABC. Uh, She is the chief uh, correspondent for business technology and the economy. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about things to keep in mind while you finish your last minute tax stuff. Yeah. Grab some of these breaks while you still can. Also, follow her on Facebook and you can watch her because she's uh, she's showing it live on Facebook Live. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. The bottom of the hour, we're going to talk with Jim Ryan. He is in Florida. The kids are going to go back to school at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on Wednesday, but many of them had an opportunity to go back to campus yesterday with their parents for the first time since the shooting. So we'll talk with him about how the school is preparing to get back to the business of education. We are talking with Rebecca Jarvis, ABC News Chief for Business Tech and Economy. This is Market Mondays. And we were talking about some breaks that you're going to want to scoop up on your tax churn while you still can. Right. Get them done before they go away or, I mean, just take advantage of them before they go away. So a couple of the really big ones. So there's the exclusion for forgiven debt. So if you had a loan modification, a foreclosure or short sale, you want to look into that. The mortgage insurance premiums, this lets homeowners deduct the amount they've paid for mortgage insurance. It was set to expire in 2016, but Congress renewed it retroactively for your 2017 tax returns. So take advantage of that for 2017. Tuition costs. This is a big one. A lot of people out there probably have some form of college tuition costs, whether it's you, your child in college. You can deduct tuition, books, and supplies for your studies up to $4,000. Alternatively, you can take the education credit for your cost, which is the American Opportunity Tax Credit. That's worth up to $2,500 for an eligible student. Or the Lifetime Learning Credit, that's up to $2,000. Let's say you put in energy-efficient windows, doors, insulation. That is also subject to a lifetime limit of $500, but you can take advantage of it right now. Property taxes, don't forget to take advantage of those, especially if you happen to be in, um, I mean, I'm sure you're not forgetting to take advantage of those. Let's be honest. You're taking advantage of those if if you have a property. Um, But for anybody who's in one of these higher tax states, remember the salt deduction, the cap on state and local taxes, that one is going to, that, that's going to have a real big impact for a lot of people. Um, your tax prep, 
you can deduct that tax preparation. So make sure you deduct it because that tax break on its way out. And finally, casualty losses. Another casualty of the tax overhaul. This year is the last time you can claim a deduction for personal losses that you sustained in a given year due to an event like a natural disorder, uh, rather natural disaster. Natural disorder. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Well, it's no laughing matter, but because a lot of people over this last year had the natural disasters, fires, and accidents. Um, I mean, obviously we saw this with the hurricanes. Um, yes, major natural disasters. So make sure you take advantage of those those uh, tax deductions and breaks this year because next year it won't be around. Hey, part of what uh, part of what makes our little uh, visits so exciting is that you get so excited about telling us who's on the next No Limits podcast. <laughs> well, she gets great guests. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I am really excited about this one. Rachel Ray, whom I'm sure both of you know. Of course. Rachel. Of course. So we talk about the empire that she's built and her background. She she tells me this great story um, about I'll, I'll I'll leave it at this great story about um, what her grandfather told her. Her grandfather is a huge was a huge part of her life, and um, he gave her as a kid um, and as a teen some really valuable advice that has served her well throughout her career. But I'm when I look at Rachel Ray and just even being there, we were backstage uh, behind her show when we went and did the conversation, um, like literally the, the backstage is right behind where she's out on set doing the show. We walked in, we sat down, we got set up for the conversation and she was like, wait, you guys didn't get any of our food? And then she brought out like a four course meal for us. Wow. To enjoy, which was absolutely delicious, but the conversation is as good as the food. So I hope you guys will enjoy it and you find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Absolutely. And we'll throw a link up on uh, on our site as well, on our page. Thanks, so guys. People can check it out. Thank, well, thank you. you. Can't, wait well. to, can't wait to see you uh, in disguise on Thursday. Yeah, I'll just do a special wink and a nod. You'll know it. Got good. it. All right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Rebecca Jarvis there. And you can follow her at Rebecca Jarvis on Twitter and see all the links to not just the No Limits podcast, but all the stuff that she's working on. When we come back, step inside the school district in Texas that already arms its teachers. Tell you how that goes down, what they think about that kind of plan when we come back. February 26th, but on Thursday, March 1st, this Thursday, we're going to be live at J.T. Schmidt's in Tustin right there on Park Avenue, located at the uh, the district as Tustin Legacy, district at Tustin Legacy in Orange County, helping kick off OC Restaurant Week. We're going to be out there uh, this Thursday, so come on out and grab some lunch uh, and hang out for a good time Thursday. Well, parts of Stoneman Douglas High School are reopening. Jim Ryan is covering the story for us, joins us now. Jim, what's the latest? Hi, Shannon. Yeah, there was a campus-wide orientation yesterday, the superintendent and the principal calling back all the students and their parents if they wanted to come. The staff, the faculty, everybody was invited onto the campus for a private orientation uh, they're really just a chance to sit down and talk and share what they uh, have been going through since February 14th, the day of the shooting, the horrific shooting that killed 17 people. 
Today, the teachers were back in their offices and at their desks. Uh, on Wednesday, the students are to return for the first day of classes two weeks to the day after that, uh, that the shooting spree. Has there been any plan made or announced for students who do not want to go back? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I don't think there's been anything like that announced. I suspect that with 3,300 kids at that school, that at least a few would decide that they just can't handle it. That, or that, or their parents may decide, I can't send you out the door and off to that school after what happened there and, and may withdraw them and uh, enroll them somewhere else. But uh, I think that, you know, that they, the district certainly will be lax about that, will be understanding of it, maybe lenient on uh, the, uh, the transfer restrictions that they might have in place right now. But it certainly is an unusual circumstance, and, and I suspect that the district would have some leeway that way. Any changes in security uh, at the school? Well, yeah, uh, there will be officers there. There have been officers, obviously, on site since the very beginning, directing traffic out front uh, as the investigation has been going on. The governor, as you know, has suggested a half-billion-dollar plan, Shannon, to put at least one police officer on every high school campus in the state. And on a big campus like uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, there would be more than one. Uh, in fact, uh, Governor uh, Scott's uh, plan would call for one police officer for every thousand kids. That would be three armed and uniformed police officers at that particular school. What about the site specifically? The um, My understanding is the building where the shooting took place will not reopen. Is there a plan right. in place to demolish it, or have they figured that out? Well, I mean, there's sort of a, a loose, uh, informal plan, and that uh, is likely to happen with this. The superintendent, uh, Bob Runcie, has said that he made, that there's no way it can be used as a, as a school again or as, as classroom space because it's just such a, a vivid and graphic reminder of the terrible thing that happened there. His uh, recommendation, his, his uh, preference would be that it was torn down and replaced with a memorial of some sort to... Uh, memorialize those 17 people who died. He's not getting much pushback, by the way, from the school board or from anybody else. So it seems that's the fate of Building 12 at MSD. You've been down there uh, for a few days now, and I'm curious to know what sort of discussion has been going on about the allegations or the word, I guess, that at least some of the Broward County Sheriff's deputies who were there did not go into the building uh, when the shooting was taking place. Yeah, well, certainly that's a part of the conversation, Gary. I think, though, that that's primarily outside the school. People inside the school are still dealing with the emotional trauma, some with the physical trauma, too, by the way. Uh, but uh, in the community at large, you're right, it is uh, a subject of conversation. Uh, they, uh, and in fact, some members of the Florida legislature are calling for the resignation or the firing of uh, the sheriff of Broward County, not only because at least one of his deputies did not go into the building where the shooting was happening, but also because the department had uh, nearly two dozen calls about Nicholas Cruz in the last few years at the various houses where he's been living. Now, the the officer, the sheriff's deputy who stayed outside, uh, his attorney released a statement today saying that the reason he didn't go inside the building is that he thought and hearing the gunshots, that they were coming from outside. So rather than run into the building and seek uh, cover, he stayed outside and and, uh, tried looking for the uh, shooter on the outside of the building. So that's his explanation for that. We'll see how that, uh, you know, uh, washes with the people of Parkland. Hmm. All right. Jim, Jim, thank you. All right. Thanks. Again, the school is uh, due to reopen on Wednesday. Just in terms of the what happens in an event like that or in the aftermath of an event like that, 
at Columbine High School where the library was considered the um, the site where most of those students ended up dying, the entire library was demolished. They they reconfigured the walls, even the floor plan of the school so that the you wouldn't recognize where the old library was. And sort of in its place, they put a memorial. At Sandy Hook Elementary, they tore the entire school down. They bulldozed the entire place. It, granted, it wasn't a very large uh, campus, but they bulldozed the entire thing and built a whole new school from, from the ground up. So I would be very surprised if they don't just take out that building completely, Building 12 there at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Yeah, I think that that... That's what they should do. All right. Uh, coming up next, Heather Locklear had a rough weekend, and so did her boyfriend. This was a guy that uh, they were high school sweethearts. I had asked you earlier, hey, what at what age do you age out of volatile relationships like this? Well, you know, you had that, like, one crazy girlfriend or boyfriend. You guys, <laughs> fine. It was crazy. Um, but it gets it gets to be old, you know? I think I've only had one who I would think – in the context of biting someone's nose almost completely yeah. off of their face. Yeah. There was one. Yeah. There was one who I could I could say, yeah, she might have been the one. Well, that's what happened. We'll get into all the details of what <laughs> went down in this domestic violence and then later DUI arrest. They Gary, were both in trouble. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. You know I Much of the stuff that we talked about today, you'll hear more about with John and Ken. The president hosted a bunch of governors at the White House today to talk about school safety for the most part. And he said that even if he wasn't armed, he would run into that Florida high school. It was in the context of the, uh, the story or the report that one of the Broward County Sheriff's deputies, at least one who was outside that school building, did not go in. Um, and then also the decision today by the Supreme Court, the Dreamers must still be protected while the lower courts are deciding the legality of whether or not to do away with DACA. So that was there. And then, of course, our Heather Locklear stories. Heather Locklear uh, was arrested for nearly biting her boyfriend's nose off in a drunken rage and then attacking the three cops who were called to break up the fight. This happened late yesterday. A source in the Ventura Police Department told the Daily Mail that Locklear was wasted when she and the high school sweetheart she recently reconnected with got into a physical fight at her house in Thousand Oaks. Do you think they were watching The Bachelor or they were watching uh, the Olympics? The Bachelor. A girl's tell all or whatever it is. The Bachelor, uh, this season of The Bachelor, elicits zero emotion from every single person who watches it. It's not going to get anybody so, well, uh, so probably upset. more likely that it was the closing ceremony to the Olympics. Yeah, that'll piss someone off. Sure. You know, especially if they if they wanted uh Tariko. They wanted Mike Tariko. They to wanted Tariko to do it and they, they tune were in Terry Gannon's tripping over himself you know, maybe to rein they in Tara like, and Johnny. Yeah, maybe like the the star that Johnny had in his hair. I don't know. But uh yeah, Heather's 56. She practic the uh, source told uh, Daily Mail the she practically bit the tip of Heiser's nose off, Chris Heiser, her high school sweetheart. Before instructing a woman who works with her to the, call the police. The cops show up on her doorstep. They try to put her in handcuffs. She snaps, attacks three of the four officers all in front of her mortified adult daughter Ava who's 20. Uh, the source says she punched the lady cop and called her a C-word, Uh-oh. kicked one of the male cops in the genitals, 
and punched the third male cop and called them all effing a-holes. Now, she says she was beaten by the boyfriend. Mm. Uh, she was taken to the hospital later for evaluation. I don't know if that meant evaluation like I do see bruises and we're going to see if those were uh, caused by somebody else or evaluation like we'd like to talk. We'd like you to calmly talk to one of our specialists. Well, he was the boyfriend was arrested when the CHP found him driving very slowly on the highway. He was arrested for DUI, blew like a point two one or something. Wow. Wow. Um, she has a history of drunken altercations. She was arrested in September, if you remember. She crashed, uh, crashed her porch into a ditch while driving to this guy's house. No charges were filed. She was sober at the time, although it, the, there are other instances where she's had a little too much. She got in a booze-fueled fight three weeks before that crash. But they seem to be happy. I mean, if Instagram is any um, indicator of the health That's where I go to find out how somebody's relationship. relationship is doing. You know, do they look happy on the Instagram? And, and these two did. Uh, here's a post from a couple days ago. It's a picture of them. They're kind of cuddling in bed, and she says, thankful for you. Oh, and then here's another one. She took a picture of one of those uh, signs, those little, um, like, uh, Oh, like the hand, hand-painted. Yeah, like tchotchke. Tchotchke-type I like tchotchke sign better, but tchotchke. <laughs> Advil cold and sinus. <laughs> All right. Can you give me a little bit yes, of leeway I'm sorry. here? Three sheets to the window. And her sign says, being someone's first love may be great, but to be their last is beyond perfect. Oh, I get it, because they were high school sweethearts. Mm -hmm. First love, last love. Where's your high school sweetheart? I didn't really have one. I'm asking you to pick one. All right. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. What about you? Where's your high school sweetheart? Sacramento. Sacramento? Yeah. She want to bite off your your nose? No, I don't think so. She she went to. I found. I don't know. I have to bring that picture, and I found my prom picture. Oh yeah, I would like to um, see that. She went. She married my sister's prom date. Hashtag Petaluma. Right. Hashtag uh, mountain lion life. Hashtag small pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mountain lion. Life. Mountain lion. You're like those mountain lions. Um. She was pulled over in September 2008. This Your girlfriend? Is, no, Heather Locklear. Uh, September 2008, suspicion of DUI after she was seen driving erratically, uh, revving her engine loudly, backed over a pair of sunglasses several times. That's not a sign. That's sad. You know what? She needs to go to a center. She needs to, uh, what's that That nice man on intervention? What's his name? Oh, which one? The one with the mustache. Van Voor? Van Voor? Yes. Voor Van yeah. Vendervin? Yeah. The one we thought relapsed at one point? Yeah. He hasn't been on there for a while. Have you caught up to intervention lately, by the way? I haven't. Okay. Maybe I'll do that as I'm sliding into my uh, cold coma. That That's a bad idea. I, I smell bad dreams if you do that. Oh, you're right. Um, she pleaded no contest, reckless driving. The DUI charge was dropped. Sentenced to three years informal probation, a DMV driver safety class, $700 fine. Hey, you've got work to do. What do I have to do? Not you. Well, yeah, you got to be there, too. Well, we've got to get everyone to come hang out with us on Thursday. Well, I'm going to be there. J.T. Schmitz in Tustin. We will be there for our news and brews. It's going to be a lot of fun. What could they get? Burgers. Like what? And lots of tots and truffle fries. 
They have they have something called the cowboy burger, which is blue cheese, onion rings, bacon, barbecue sauce on yes. a toasted bun burger. Yes, that's the. I mean, that's yes. Clearly, that's a burger. And then somebody sent us a picture of the batter, bigger batter asser burger. That's what twenty pounds? Six. I think it's six. Oh my gosh! Still, that's plenty. You know what would be fun? I was comparing you to John Candy and uh, the Great Outdoors yes. last week. Eating the steak, right? Right. We should have you finish no. that burger. Put no, six no. pounds in We're there. We're not doing that. Why not? Why don't you eat it? Well, that's just not going to happen. Okay. Well, then I think you could put that thing down. I could, but I'm not. I'm not taking it on as a challenge. How's that? What if we raise money for charity? No. No. What charity? Apparently, you don't care what about charity? the children. Okay, me eating six pounds of food to help starving children. There's no irony in that. Come on. Well, let me rethink it. Yeah, good idea. I'll come up with a plan. Um, anyway, we will be we will be at JT Schmidt's on Thursday, centrally located right there at the District at Tustin Legacy in Orange County to help kick off OC Restaurant Week, which will be. March 4th through the 10th. For all the information about OC Restaurant Week, go to ocrestaurantweek.com for all the details. You going to go home and go to bed now? Yeah, I'm going to disinfect all of this for Ken first. Ah, smart. You don't want him getting germy. No. John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Listen, ladies, it's been real and it's been fun. But has it been real fun? Mm -mm. Nope. Gary and Shannon.